The climate is changing. So are we. I'm Laura Lynch, and I host What on Earth? That's CBC's Climate Solutions podcast. Twice a week, we take you around the world to find the people who are trying to build a better future for all of us. We explore Indigenous science, new technologies. We talk openly about mental health and climate anxiety. We also take your smart questions all the time. Come find What on Earth wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. From Camor to Coleman, communities are battling rising waters. And it's all forced an estimated 75,000 people to leave their homes. Overnight, the ice and down trees sparked explosions that lit up. Mudslides have washed out key roads, isolating the mountain town. Cars have been abandoned, halfway submerged, there's been schools. Gusting to 160 kilometers an hour. That's the strongest wind that as many as 300. We're used to it now. Extreme weather making some pretty extreme headlines. Stories about this season's storms, floods, or fires being the worst or most dramatic in recent memory. Today we're getting an estimate of the cost of the Fort McMurray wildfire. It is the most expensive natural disaster in Canadian history. $3.6 billion in insured damages. More than As a meteorologist, every time a city floods or a forest burns, I get asked if it's connected to climate change. And for years, I've carefully explained that one storm isn't necessarily the result of climate change. But now, I'd like to change my answer to just yes. Because our warming climate is resulting in rapid and transformative change. Changes we're going to explore by exploring our future. I'm CBC meteorologist Johanna Wagstaff. And this is 2050 Degrees of Change, a CBC Vancouver podcast looking at how climate change will shape our world, our province, and the way we live in the year 2050. Good morning. It is 6.30 a.m. on June 9th, 2050. The current temperature is 19 degrees. The high today is 27 degrees with mainly sunny skies. Beaches are still closed across Metro Vancouver due to the early algae bloom. The world is changing. We're going to focus on one Canadian province, British Columbia. Meteorologists call it the land of a billion microclimates. And in many ways, we're a microcosm for the rest of the world. We have thousands of kilometres of coastlines and mountain ranges, desert plains and ancient rainforests, Tundra, plateaus, prairies, and ice fields. We're famous for our rich agricultural land, dense forests, and mighty rivers. We're home to the wettest place in Canada, as well as the driest. There are 40,000 islands along our coast. Our shores have rare marine ecosystems, and our mountains have peaks 4,000 meters above sea level. More than two-thirds of Canada's wildlife lives here. Not to mention that BC is also home to one of the largest cities in the country. I could go on, because this province has almost limitless natural diversity. And while all of this is what makes British Columbia so breathtakingly beautiful, it also makes it an incredible place to see the impact of climate change. In this podcast, We're going to explore how BC will be transformed by climate change in just three short decades. 
From how our glaciers and mountain snows will change our waters, to what rising temperatures and creeping seas mean for our farmland and rivers, how climate change will transform our cities, our forests, and our society. There'll be hotter summers, and we'll see the kinds of heat waves we've not seen before. We're going to have to improve the diking system. We can't exactly give away Richmond to the sea. If those glaciers aren't there, we've lost an important legacy of natural heritage of the Canadian landscape. We have to really start seeing water as a resource that's more important than oil. Pacific salmon might not be around in 2050. I was told at that time by our elders, look after the animals and they in turn will look after you. Hundreds of millions of people would become refugees. In some ways, we're all climate change denies because we keep on living our life the way we're used to living it. Those are just some of the people you'll meet along the way. But before we get you there, here's what you need to know. In 2050, BC is much, much warmer than you've known it to be. We're looking at still about two and a half degrees of warming for the province as a whole. Uh, Now keep in mind that's When you're averaging over the whole province, there's going to be some important regional differences. So for Vancouver and Victoria, we're looking at about two and a half degrees as well. Um, But there may be larger increases in the interior uh, in some parts of the north. The variability in some places is more than others. So, you know, two and a half degrees of warming on the coast may actually be more like a bigger change relative to historical variability than um, even a larger change like three or four degrees somewhere else in the province. That's Trevor Murdoch. He works with the Pacific Climate Impacts Consortium at the University of Victoria. He's an expert on regional climate change in the province. He takes all of the research from the IPCC and zooms in on what that global data means for different parts of BC in the future. You probably recognize that acronym. The IPCC is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, a UN body made up of thousands of scientists and policymakers who gather the most up-to-date research. The IPCC and Trevor work with different climate scenarios that try to map out how we as humans will act in the future, how much greenhouse gas will keep pumping into the atmosphere, and what that will mean for global temperatures. There are the worst-case scenarios, where we continue down the path we're on now or make very little progress. That's the catastrophic climate change by the end of the century road. Then there's the best-case scenario, what the Paris Accord is hoping to achieve, where the global rise in temperature is kept well below 2 degrees. And then we have a scenario in the middle. And that's the path we're taking on our journey to the future. It's an optimistic one, which takes a lot of hard work. It imagines that by 2050, we've cut our carbon emissions globally by half and are on track to keeping that number stable. All of the science you hear in this podcast is based on this scenario. The experts call it RCP 4.5. And that's what Trevor's referencing when he says BC is looking at an average temperature rise of 2.5 degrees in just 33 years. Sometimes it's hard to really get across the the scale of change we're talking about. It's hard to even really wrap your mind around it because a couple of degrees doesn't sound like a big deal. But when you average over an entire year, it, it takes a lot to even make a degree of difference because of how noisy weather is. So, you know, you can imagine if you had a year where every single day was normal, um, but you had 10 degrees above above normal for 30 days in a row, that'd be a really big deal. It'd be a super long heat wave. Um, and But that year would actually only be about a degree warmer than normal um, just because all the other normal days average it out. If you imagine 
warming by a couple of degrees, you're talking about a climate where these new cold years that in the uh, middle of the century, the year that's so cold, it causes some kind of impacts on the landscape because it's so abnormal. That's actually warmer than the warm years that we've had in the past. Those are warmer than the 2003s and the 2015s and 16s. And then the normals are warmer than that. And the, the extreme warm years are even warmer than that. So on the one hand, a couple degrees doesn't sound like a big deal. On the other hand, we're talking about like a completely different place. A completely different place. 2010, 2014, 2015, 2016. Up until now, those were some of the hottest years on record. And that will be the new normal. In 2050, Vancouver sees more than double the number of days above 25 degrees than it did in the 20-teens. Now, that might sound appealing to some of you, and it means a longer growing season, but it also means more frequent heat waves, a higher risk of forest fires, and more extreme weather more often. Our seasons play out differently, too. Warmer, wetter winters across the province means a massive drop in the snowpack year after year, which means we think differently about our once seemingly limitless freshwater supply. And of course, hitting the slopes becomes a rare luxury. Spring melts come earlier. The dry season lasts longer. Our wettest days are much wetter. Now here's the thing. A 2.5 degree rise in temperature doesn't mean everything is just that much hotter. As the ocean warms, more moisture evaporates into the atmosphere. This extra moisture in the air makes it more likely storms will bring downpours and flooding risks. Changes in ocean surface temperature affect currents and atmospheric circulation, meaning more extremes on both sides of the coin. Droughts and more intense rainy seasons. Brutal one-off snowstorms. Possibly more fuel for hurricanes and tornadoes. As the ocean and Earth's surface heat at different rates, changes are already happening to our jet streams. Those giant conveyor belts that move our weather along, they're stalling out, getting stuck for way longer than they used to. In fact, recent studies show the frequency of jet streams stalling out has increased by 70% since the Industrial Revolution. This, all of this, is why we say climate change will lead to more intense extreme weather events. Not to mention bumpier flights with more turbulence. Anywhere from 20 to over 100 millimeters of rain. Higher amounts are. You know those atmospheric rivers some meteorologist is always going on about? Like the Pineapple Express that funnels subtropical downpours and heat into the West Coast like a fire hose. In 2050, they're common and more severe. More damaging windstorms fueled by those warmer waters. Eastern Pacific typhoons that last a little longer on their track east from Asia. There will always be variability in our weather and our climate. And before we go any further, I should point out that these are very different concepts. Weather is atmospheric conditions that happen over a short period of time, hours, days, weeks. But climate is how the atmosphere behaves over relatively long periods of time, months, years, decades. Some years will be hotter, some colder. Large-scale oscillations in the sun cycles, ocean temperatures, and trade winds like El Nino or La Nina will add to the extremes. But as I watch and report on the impacts of individual weather events in a world where the population is growing at an exponential rate, where more and more people are affected by everything that comes with a warmer climate, 
It's vital to make that link. Because as the climate baseline heats up, it impacts every weather event. It's like storms on steroids. Simon Donner is an associate professor of climatology at the University of British Columbia. Those pumped-up storms, he says we're already seeing them. In the past few years, we've uh, the U.S. in particular has experienced some of the largest disasters that had been predicted as a result of climate change. Millions of Americans from New England to Virginia are bracing for a potential superstorm. Hurricane Sandy is serious. And those were, you know, a hurricane hitting New York City and a hurricane hitting New Orleans. A couple things to point out about this. When Hurricane Sandy hit New York City and did all of that damage, people were killed, flooding, the city shut down, power out, and everything. It was at best a Category 1 storm, and in fact, depending on how you look at it, it technically wasn't even a hurricane anymore. So, New York City dodged a huge bullet. Those dangers are part of the story. We can't avoid them. But this podcast isn't just about catastrophes or dramatic future storms, because climate change isn't a disaster movie. It also affects small things and the ways we'll adapt and change with the challenges ahead. My family every uh, New Year's tries to get together and, and play a very poor form of hockey on the lake where we grew up. And But it's getting increasingly hard to predict that the lake will actually be frozen on New Year's Eve. And guess what? 30 years now, that won't happen. It will not be frozen. Right? It'll be extremely rare if it's ever frozen. So it's a tradition that'll go away. There's all these sorts of things like this that where they're subtle. They might not always be the most important in terms of our survival, but they're important in terms of how we sort of feel about where we live, right? And you feel about our community. So just think about like walking around a neighborhood in Vancouver 35 years from now, right? The plants people growing in their garden could actually have changed, right? I mean, we're trying to grow an olive, a small olive tree right now, and it seems crazy. 35 years from now, it should be fine. And so that means that, you know, things could smell different, right? If people are planting different things in their garden because different plants can survive, in fact, different plants may be necessary, the street's going to smell a little different. They'll also be flowering earlier in the year than they used to, right? And so your idea of what March smells like may suddenly change because there'll be flowers out that never used to be out in March before. So it's, there's subtle changes. You feel it. And I think when you combine that with the changes to how we live, they're going to come apart because of technology, and the efforts to address greenhouse gas emissions, you know, from the fact that self-driving cars that are going to largely be electric, you know, be on the streets, more bike lanes around and everything. It, I, I mean, I can't over, you know, I can't state this enough. It's Vancouver will just feel completely different than it does now. It's hard to grasp what this means, but to a large degree, the changes we'll see by mid-century are already locked in. It's the changes we make today that will influence what our future after 2050 will look like. Here's Simon again. Greenhouse gases don't immediately have an impact on the climate, and so our past emissions are determining what the climate to come will be. But there's also a big socioeconomic commitment, and this is built in a little bit to the scenarios. And it's the idea that even if we decided today that we wanted to radically reduce greenhouse gas emissions, we couldn't. We couldn't shut every coal-burning power plant off on the planet tomorrow. There'd be crises all over. And so the transition time also has to be taken into account when you develop these sort of uh, scenarios. We're already dealing with 270 years of carbon emissions. What we do next will have dramatic implications for the next 300 years. After 2050, that's when the climate scenarios really start to diverge, and the differences are stark. 
What kind of world do we want to live in? And can we live in a world where the average global temperature goes up by four, five, six degrees? We don't know. There are some things we're uncertain of when it comes to climate change, but the fact that it's happening isn't one of them. Even if you sometimes hear scientists use the word uncertainty, here's how Trevor Murdoch explains it. There really is no uncertainty about how greenhouse gas emissions affect the climate and why they cause global climate to warm. Uh, What's uncertain is the very specific details about how much and when and, and that sort of thing. So Uh, An analogy that I like to use is blood alcohol content. So if you're to drink a beer, uh, we understand that your blood alcohol uh, content is going to go up. And, you know, we understand something about, you know, medically what's involved in that. You might find three or four different blood alcohol content calculators online and it'll give you slightly different numbers depending on your weight and how many drinks you've had, what your alcohol content would be. And all of them might be slightly different than if you actually measured. But all of them would be closer than if you had, say, two drinks and just said, well, there's some uncertainty, so I'm going to assume my blood alcohol content is still zero. The uncertainty in the climate model projections, scientists use that word to refer to the range of projected change and the differences among the future projections, not referencing our level of confidence in whether climate will change or not. Variability is an important part of this. Yes, there will still be years in the future with snow, There will be years where the growing season is better, years where the stormy season is worse. But it will be different. Sometimes we notice these changes because of a disaster, but more often than not, it just creeps up on us. Maybe you remember how different the winters of your childhood were compared to the ones your own children experience. Or that the fish aren't biting at that spot your grandparents took you to. That the fire season seems to be getting worse every year. Some of that may be nostalgia, but it's also the reality of how quickly things really are changing. So in order to see what these changes to our climate will look like and how it affects our lives, we have to take a step back to see the big picture, or in our case, a step forward in time. Good morning, Ariadne. It's time to wake up. It is 7 a.m. on July 30th, 2050. The high in Vancouver today will be 32 degrees. UV index is extreme. This is the sixth consecutive day above 30 degrees in the city. A heat warning remains in place. Your soccer game has been canceled. Water restrictions also are still in place so I have allocated three minutes for your shower this morning. You must leave by 8.02 a.m. for day camp. Okay, Ava. Do I have to wear a mask today? Yes. There is an air quality advisory in effect due to the wildfires in Pemberton and Vancouver Island. Ariadne is ten and a half years old. In 2050, this is the only world she knows. She wasn't alive in the early 2000s. With the help from some of the leading voices on climate change in 2017 and the voice of Ariadne in 2050, we'll hear what climate change will mean for BC and all the complex ways it will affect us and our province. As we take this journey, you may be as surprised as we were 
to learn that for British Columbians, adapting to climate change is happening faster than you think. But will it be fast enough? Ava, that shower was way too short. Can't it please be longer tomorrow? Ariadne, as your home operating system, we follow mandated water restrictions, no exceptions. You requested an update on the Mars Apollo team. In their daily transmission this morning, the team reported it had successfully grown their first edible batch of asparagus. Oh, we had asparagus in the vegetable wall this spring. Ava, do we really have to wear those face masks? I'm tired of soccer being canceled because of the air quality. Mom says when she was a kid, it never got this hot. We can't even go to the beach anymore. My soccer team was supposed to volunteer at the sandbagging facility this weekend. Do you think it will be canceled? On our next episode. Those glaciers are blinking out as we speak. Air temperatures have risen by about 1.5 degrees across the Fraser Basin since the the early 1950s. By mid-century, there's going to be a crisis down there because they have a a $5 billion irrigated agriculture industry, and they're going to need to get that water from somewhere. I I thought last year was a low snowpack. Last year was tied for the record low, but we're below the lowest ever recorded snowpack here. How climate change will affect our water from rapidly melting glaciers and thinning snowpack to rising seas. This is 2050, Degrees of Change, a CBC Vancouver podcast exploring how climate change will transform our province and our lives in the year 2050. You can find us at cbc.ca slash podcasts or download us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm CBC meteorologist Johanna Wagstaff. Meet you back in 2050. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.